Welcome to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a Presbyterian USA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more information about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children, youth, and adults at ndpc.org. And you can follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come and join us in person. That's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. So the scripture reading today comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, and it's verses 4 through 8. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground. But a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the human, Adam, from the dust of the ground, the Adama, and breathed into the nostrils of Adam the breath of life. And Adam became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there God put Adam, whom God had formed. This is the word of the Lord. So as we begin this sort of month-long meditation on the body, I wanted to draw us back to this familiar story of the creation of Adam. Adam coming from the Hebrew word for dirt, the Adama. It gives us such a clear and vivid image of what our faith says that our bodies are. They are dust, right? You're dirt. It's no indictment of your hygiene practices. Your body is made of the same stuff as the earth. This is biblical. This is also empirical science. You are oxygen, and you are carbon, and you are hydrogen, and you are nitrogen. You have a bit of calcium and a little bit of phosphorus in you. And some of you even have some cool inserts made of plastic or metal somewhere inside you. And a few of you have very high concentrations of chocolate. But at the most elemental level, your body is made up of the same things that make up the world around you. There is no difference between you and the earth. You are dust. And Genesis 3 goes on to say that when you die to dust, you shall return. The moment you stop breathing, and all of us will have a moment, your body's regenerative capacity ceases, and the stuff of your body will decompose, and you will become part of the earth again. Matter, we know this, cannot be created or destroyed. It just changes forms. 
you who were once stardust will become a raindrop or a mushroom or a cockroach. What I'm saying is that your body, on some basic level, is simply matter. That does not mean it does not matter, however. It's not the whole story of who we are as bodies. This scripture that we heard this morning insists that there is something else that makes up your body beside just the stuff. In the story, that something else is what? In Hebrew, ruach, spirit, or breath. This spirit breath comes into your body at your birth, and it is with you every single day of your life. I don't know if God really breathes into our noses when we are born. Maybe it happens, but what what we do know happens is actually not so far off. All of you spent months in your mother's womb at the beginning of your existence. You were underwater, and you were getting your oxygen through a cord that attached to your belly button. Suddenly, though, suddenly, regrettably perhaps, you were pressed out into the world. That cord got cut, and you had to find a way to get air into your lungs immediately. There was no messing around. Your tiny body figured out how to press the fluid out. Internal pressures inside you changed, causing a teeny little valve in your heart that was open in utero to close, and the blood started flowing into your lungs, and you went, (gasps) and there was breath, and there was life, and maybe for some of you there was noise. And you have taken in that breath of life every five seconds or so every day since, 20,000 or so times every day, 750 million times, give or take a few, you breathe in and breathe out and you live. You live. You are dust and you are breath. You are utterly common and you are incredible. Somehow, after millions of years of evolution, the stuff of your body got organized into the most complex organism on the face of the earth. Your stuff, your material, your bodily material can recognize a trillion different smells. That's crazy. Your blood vessels, if they were stretched out, they could circle the earth four times over. Your brain contains 86, I've counted, right, 86 billion nerve cells joined by a hundred trillion different connections. If all of the DNA in the 23 pairs of chromosomes in every single cell in your body were uncoiled and laid end to end, it would stretch for 34 billion miles. That's Pluto and back three times over, right? You are a dust creature with a complexity and with capacities that are absolutely staggering. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
So let me affirm something else about your body that I think is obvious to me. Your dusty, delightful body is essential to your Christian faith. Now, it's kind of amazing to me that a statement like that could be conceived of at all as being controversial. Of course, our bodies are important to our faith. God became a body, right? That's our whole tradition, right? God becomes a body in Jesus. God takes on our flesh and shows us what a body is, what it's for. Surely bodies are good. Not so, according to some. Our tradition has over and over again failed to affirm the dignity of the body that we have, even relegating our bodies to some kind of inferior status. Back when Christianity was still just a silly little cult, and the New Testament was getting written down, The Greeks were promoting an idea that said something was real. What is real, they said, were things that were immaterial. Perishable things in the Greek worldview, like bodies, were seen as lower or lesser, less valuable. So Paul, bless his heart, right, we say that, Paul, bless his heart, picks up that concept of the higher and the lower and runs with it and writes all this stuff about the Christian life in which there is this dichotomy in each of us between the spirit, which is good, and the flesh, which is bad. Paul was doing his best with what he had available to him. But Paul was just plain wrong about bodies being dualities with a higher and a lower aspect. So many, so many horrendous things have come to us through this misrepresentation of our bodies as a two-part hierarchy. What kind of bad things, you might ask? This is where we get the awful idea that our bodies are sin-ridden shells And that our true hope in life is to die so that we can lose this flesh and be taken up to heaven. That totally corrupted the biblical idea of heaven. Telling us it's a place we go to instead of what it is, which is the reign of God breaking in and remaking this world. The dichotomous body has even worse implications than that. The two-part body gave rise to Christianity's demonization of sexuality and desire. It underscored gender discrimination. It's worse than that. The two-part body provided theological sanction for enslavement. It didn't matter what happened to brown bodies so long as they could be taught about heaven. I could go on, but let's just affirm this morning as we begin this time in thinking about the body and Christian life. 
Let's just affirm that bodies do matter. Nothing could be more harmful than imagining our body as a hierarchical duality of spirit over flesh. I'm not sure what your relationship to your own body is like. If I had to guess, I'd venture that your relationship to your body is at least to some degree ambivalent. (laughs) Amen? Amen. If I asked you if you love and cherish your body, you might say, those aren't the words that I would think of. Some of us loathe our bodies or critique them or rage at them or despair over them or lament them or at the very least tolerate them. We probably all have some work to do when it comes to mending our relationship with our own flesh. Our culture, rooted in this spirit-flesh dualism, has never really helped us form good relationships with our bodies. On the one hand, we are tempted to becoming body-obsessed. We lift up these unrealistic and unhealthy standards of beauty and bodily perfection. On the other hand, we tend to treat bodies terribly as a culture. Right? Our food systems are pretty lousy. Our activity and stress levels are not good. We have the worst health in the wealthy world because we think a doctor is a luxury item. So we obsess about our bodies, we abuse them, but we, we don't love them. And we should. We should love our bodies. I don't know what might change, whether we would feel differently about our bodies and whether we would treat our bodies differently if we could hold in front of us a good image of what the body really is. But let's try to do that together. Let's hold to the paradoxical truth about our bodies. Let's embrace both our dustiness and our divinity. There is a certain humility about our body that I think comes with accepting that we're just really dirt that's all dressed up. We can be humble about our lumps and our bumps and our imperfections, even about our mortality. Look at the lilies of the field, Jesus once said. They don't worry about how they look, nor should we. You are beautiful. The lilies don't agonize over their own mortality either. I've never seen a lily of the field hooked up to an artificial bloom lengthening machine. There is deep humility that comes from embracing your dustiness. You are one with the earth, and that's a good thing. But I also want you to know that the breath of life, the spark of divinity that is in you from your very first breath to your very last breath is just as important to recognize both in yourself 
and in every single person you meet. You are dirt that is capable of thinking about itself as dirt. You are capable of perceiving beauty and feeling joy and sorrow and giving and receiving love to other bodies. Every single body has that capacity. And I will always believe, and I think you do too, that a being that possesses those remarkable qualities, a body that possesses those remarkable qualities, deserves to be honored and cared for and deserves to live on this earth alongside of other bodies in freedom and joy, sharing in the earth's material abundance. When I was a kid, growing up watching the Star Wars movies. I remember being struck, even then, by Yoda. I'm going to give my best Yoda in... He said, right? He said, luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. I love that line growing up. But as I've gotten older, I think I would say to Yoda, Master Yoda, it's it's not an either-or. It's a both-and. We are luminous beings and crude matter. We believe that our flourishing, we believe that our flourishing as individuals and as a social body depends on us seeing our bodies in this both-and way. We are ensouled dirt. We are shimmering humus. We are radiant compost. That's all a way of saying that you are physical and you are spiritual. Neither is more important than the other. Neither is separable from the other. And God made us that way. And God comes to us in both ways, in the words of stories and songs that vibrate in the air. God comes to us in sacraments that are cool water on our skins and sweet bread in our mouths. And God comes to us in faith, which is trust in things that we cannot see, in hope that sustains us when we can't go on. And God comes to us surely, surely in love. Love, which above all else is the one experience that is at the same time fully physical and fully spiritual. In love we find the spirit and the flesh are indeed one. The Lord God formed the human being, formed you, from the dust of the ground and breathed into your nostrils the breath of life and you became a living being. Thanks be to God. Amen.